Hello, everybody, and welcome to 30 Minute Thrive, your go-to podcast for anything and everything HR, powered by MRA, the Management Association. Looking to stay on top of the ever-changing world of HR? MRA has got you covered. We'll be the first to tell you what's hot and what's not. I'm your host, Sophie Voller, and we are so glad you're here. Now it's time to thrive. Well, hello, everybody, and thanks for joining us today. We're, we're really hearing more about mindful workplaces nowadays, so we thought we would take today's podcast to really think about this topic more in depth. So I'm here with Laura Ruby, Senior HR Business Partner and HR Business Advisor for MRA, and we're really going to talk about why mindful workplaces are trending or what you really need to be aware of, what are some of the challenges that come along with it, and more. So Laura, thanks so much for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Sophie. I'm really pleased to be here. This is a um, definitely a, a timely concept, I think, for a number of employees to consider or employers to consider. Yeah, absolutely. And I know we were talking about that. You're very passionate about this topic, and you've been um, working in HR for such a long time that um, this is kind of the perfect topic to go over today. So. I think we should kind of start out with what is a mindful workplace? Can you define it? Yes, a mindful workplace is really a combination of factors. But as we look at, you know, initiatives that people are working towards in that space, it's really developing an awareness of an individual's thought processes, um, their emotions, and their their actions, and helping to enable them to laser focus on those and remove obstacles to productivity and and really improving the work workplace from a variety of different aspects. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess a part two to that question then, um, can you kind of describe what the whole concept of the mindful workplace really encompasses? It well, it's actually quite broad and as we'll we'll talk today, <laughs> we'll touch on all of those components, but it's it's combining um, more Eastern philosophies about, you know, issues of meditation or focus and concentration, breathing, as well as branching into mental health aspects um, that are, you know, damaging workplaces right now and helping individuals to cope with their own anxiety, stress, as well as other things like uh, other issues they may be experiencing and in uh, relationships, finances, you know, you name it. So it's kind of a a very broad umbrella to discuss how the company can actually move forward with developing a healthier workforce. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. I feel like um, it's definitely transformed throughout the years where, in my opinion, I feel like um, employers didn't really talk about this kind of stuff as much as they do now. They didn't care as much about you know providing all these resources and mental health resources and wellness resources to employees so I think it's great we can kind of cover that and talk about it and just the process and how it's evolved over the years too so um, my next question then would be do you have any practices that a mindful workplace um, can kind of or what can you implement what practices can you implement to create a mindful workplace. I mean, you 
It, it's all over the map. But I think what really uh, companies that are finding great success with implementing mindfulness, they're starting with um, starting small with programs uh, available to the employees, like maybe yoga classes or chair yoga, breathing exercises, um, you know, and some of those smaller <laughs> components into helping the individual pause you know, evaluate what they're thinking and to continue to stay that laser focus on what's in front of them rather than all these other things that may be coming from, you know, their personal life or other anxieties. Even. So really it's it's starting small with, with courses or with activities designed um, to encourage that as well as programs designed to work on employee uh, health, physical and mental health. Um, you know, things like walking programs or um, competitions within companies, you know, where people compete on a physical level um, to the mental health aspect and making sure their insurance programs incorporate mental health and it's available to employees, um, including EAP programs that have more counseling uh, provided. So it's a very broad spectrum. Uh, some of the larger companies are also implementing things like um, meditation rooms or um, Zen areas or places where it's calm and quiet. People can go take a break there and get reflected. So it, there are a number of things that people are doing to address it. Yeah, those are all great examples, Laura. And I'm thinking about MRA specifically, some of the cool things we do with our wellness. Um, something I love in the summer, we'll kind of get a group of employees together and walk around. We have some trails around here in the Waukesha location. Um, and that's just great to kind of take like a mental health break, take a walk, kind of reboot almost. Um, and we also have a masseuse come once in a while, which is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that's a plus. So yeah, a lot of great examples of what organizations can do. Right. Um, and I know, Laura, you talked about starting small. You don't have to implement this huge idea right away. But what's what other steps can be taken to create a culture that values and supports this mindfulness? Well, that's a really good question. Um, you know, a lot of research out there is honed in on uh, more so management effectiveness at exhibiting these behaviors and then having that trickle-down effect within the organization. So many companies will start with training their managers on the basic concepts and helping them to modify their behaviors to help other people kind of follow along with this process. Um, because a lot of employees view that managers are kind of the key to their success in the organization. And if you have a manager that's being, um, you know, micromanaging to use the, the term or, um, you know, laser focus on what people aren't doing right, then that can really put a, a bad tone in the organization and cause employees more stress and anxiety. So the, <clears throat> excuse me, the focus is really to, to train the managers first and then implement some of these programs for the employees to help encourage them um, you know, to take that step back every day to, you know, give themselves some additional breaks, so to speak, throughout the day. Um, 
And so a lot of the many programs that they'll design, they'll, they'll have some training programs initially at the beginning that are available to people. Um, there are a number of, number of uh, mental health app type applications or mindfulness applications that people can install on their desktop or their phone. Um, so they encourage that as well as integrating a lot of training, you know, maybe even utilizing their EAP to come in and talk about more stressful things that might be present um, for individuals who you know, are trying to work with children and, you know, someone that's engaged with adult care at home and trying to manage those um, needs on both ends of the spectrum and how, how to kind of put that stuff aside and, you know, let yourself focus. Mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. And I, I know we talked about this a little bit um, in the beginning, but what about the physical workspace being designed to encourage this mindfulness? I know there's quiet areas, um, yes. the yes. massage room, mm -hmm. uh, but any other examples that you can give um, with the physical workspace? Specifically, and, and I think it's really it, this one is really important, and I find myself doing this every, every at least once a week is decluttering your office and taking that time to organize it so things are not visually distracting you, but you have easy access to them. For example, I support several members as well as work on the hotline, um, so I have basically moved all of my materials out of the visual area. So I have a couple of computers set up on my, my desktop and I tried very diligently to only have one computer on at a time. Um, but, you know, decluttering, moving things where they're easy to get to, but not in visual space. And, you know, using common colors, you know, things you like to look at. You know, I, I have a number of pictures in here with my grandchildren and, <laughs> you know, they're kind of behind the screen here, but... You know, you can use the same concept in your own workspace, even if it's a cubicle or, you know, things just to create that environment for you. Yeah, so, great examples. As we mentioned, you know, like setting up spaces where employees can gather that are comfortable. Uh, a number of companies have installed in their break room. They have like couches and easy chairs for people to sit in versus just the table and, and a more sterile environment. Um, and as you mentioned, like having a, a Zen room or a meditation room or just a space that people can go into to have peace and quiet for a while. Yeah, I love those examples. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I would add to um, for the quiet areas piece at MRA, we have focus rooms and those are something I definitely take advantage of on a day to day basis. And they're just quiet rooms you can go to, solo rooms, um, kind of gets rid of all the distraction and allows you just to kind of focus on your own work. So um, that's something that I really love about our physical workspace. Um, but also the natural light too. I think having windows is so important. Letting the sun come in or the snow light, I guess, right now. Right, right. But yeah. yeah. Even in the offices there in Wisconsin, you know, the turkeys come up near the windows. And so you kind of get this natural break through, throughout the day, you know, taking a step back to nature and a way to kind of disengage from work stress, personal stress, whatever it is, is just get into a different environment. Oh, definitely, definitely. 
Well, now that we've kind of talked about all the logistics of it, what impact does it really have on employees and business success too? Well, it's, you know, it's staggering when you talk about the mental health aspect of this. Um, There was a recent study done that nearly half of the employees that were surveyed, I believe it was a survey of 2,500 people, they had mentioned almost half the time that their mental stress or, you know, issues that they had, they brought into the workplace and it affected their productivity. So, you know, this is a, a pretty serious area. When you have um, our high pressure environments, we have technology that um, is helping us to be more efficient, but can sometimes, you know, be um, a distraction as well. Um, you know, those types of things can certainly affect productivity at work. You also see where employee absenteeism increases when you know, you have people who are stressed or dealing with lots of uh, issues with work. Um, you know, you have employee satisfaction and engagement, which is a, a huge factor in this as well. And it's highly impacted by developing those mindfulness practices. As the workforce becomes more engaged, you'll see other things like reduced absenteeism, um, higher productivity, um, and just a number of other things within the organization, um, especially let's see, what's the word? Uh, you know, employees like best companies to work for. Those organizations where you see continue to be at the top, they're addressing all of these issues regularly. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I think it's also helpful to to give some examples of wellness programs so that you know companies can start thinking about some ideas for themselves. So what wellness programs are in place to support employees' mental and emotional well-being? Any examples? Well, there, yeah, there are a couple of other uh, offenders that are out there that have websites that you can engage with and they can provide uh, things from training to um, other directed programs for the organization. Um, a lot of companies can work with their EAP to bring in, again, some training as well as some other activities to help employees um, establish these programs. Um, you know, and, and really it's initiatives that the company needs to undertake at the outset. So they, you know, the company is saying, you know, we recognize that we need to improve mental health and well-being for our staff. Um, they can begin to roll out some of those initiatives. So again, focusing on what components that they want to bring into their own culture and being mindful as well as, you know, how is work done at their at their company. Um, <clears throat> one of the other uh, things that I've seen a lot of companies engaging in is really looking at the effectiveness of how the job is built. So they may have a job description, but it could be that the person has to duties or um, duties that compete for their time. Um, so really restructuring those positions to be more effective. Um, and again, you know, working with some of those wellness providers to implement some of those programs. And really, if you're going to start, you know, a good place to start is with your broker. Um, when you're already getting your healthcare or uh, different types of services into the organization, uh, they can always contact, you know, get in contact 
people they've worked with and we can evaluate some of these problems as well. Mm-hmm. And then I think the next step is, you know, in HR's, you know, development or RFP, contacting these vendors out there to see what services they can provide in that space. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's going to be a balancing act of financial commitment on the company. Uh, you know, do you have the space to implement some of these ideas? And then, again, um, I think the other important aspect is surveying employees. Uh, to actually find out what it is that they would be interested in participating in. I think that's another uh, survey fact is that, you know, companies feel they're, you know, about 60% of the companies feel they're doing a great job at wellness. But you ask their employees and they're like, nah, I'm not participating. I'm not really, those things aren't of interest to me. So really they need to get that feedback from the employees of what's going to work for me as an individual. Um, and then using that data to style a lot of the components of this project. Yeah, that's a great point to bring up. Absolutely. Um, you talked about that stat with how mental health impacts productivity. So I'm wondering if you're kind of seeing anything else here with how mental health really impacts that productivity at work. Um, it's well, it, if you look company to company, it's going to be a little bit different. But I think, you know, if you were thinking about mental health, there are a number of programs designed to work with employees and providing additional counseling services, maybe through your EAPs, so you're, you're paying for more services available to employees, um, helping them with financial wellness, um, you know, helping them to work with their retirement programs and really plan for the future. And other programs that the company can set up to, to really help support financial, unexpected financial things that crop up with, uh, with uh, individuals and really gearing those programs to help minimize the anxiety, the stress, um, you know, that comes with doing with those day-to-day activities. Um, Child care is another area where, again, you know, it's a huge worry for people with children. Um as to how they're going to, you know, provide support, you know, have the right resources available to them. You know, what happens when your child's sick? You know, how will you deal with that? So a lot of those focuses can help minimize stress for people and allow them to step away from that and be able to refocus in the work. Mm-hmm. And I think going off of that, work-life mm-hmm. balance, Talking when you're talking about kids, yeah. spending mm-hmm. time with them, that's where the work-life balance kind of also comes into play here. So absolutely, um, we actually had a whole podcast alone on work-life balance. So it's definitely important and something, you know, everyone wants. So do you have kind of any suggestions for um, employers and how they can help balance work-life, the work-life balance for their employees? Yeah, I think there's a number of things that a company can do. Um, one we've already talked about is really evaluating the jobs and how they're being done. Are they being done effectively? Because a lot of work stress comes from that that very aspect that my job is is too demanding in one area, or I don't have the right tools to get the job done, um, or there may be other efficiencies that could be developed to remove that stress. Other things like creating flexible hours. So people can stylize the hours so that it best meets their personal needs. So they have to do, you know, take kids to school and pick them up at the end of the day. 
Um, they can work their work schedule around that. Um, hybrid workplaces are also really helpful in addressing that. So identifying when you want your staff on at work, but around a few days where they can work from home if that's possible. Um, with a manufacturing environment, it might be implementing, you know, five-minute breaks in the manufacturing area or um, some other ways to stagger breaks so that people can step away a little more frequently throughout the day versus just confining it to maybe a 10 or 15 minute period or a minute period. Um, so there's a lot of things that, that companies can evaluate um, that would work in their environment and again, contribute to some of that work-life balance um, you know, and, and additional resources. I think that's the, the final thing. You know, Companies can use their, their buying power, so to speak, with you know, providing programs for elder care, child care, um, you know, some of these other other aspects of life. Um, I know of several companies I work with now, they even have um, dry cleaning, where you bring your dry cleaning in to work and they take it off and have it done for you and bring it That's back. That's awesome. <laughs> so, you know, and utilizing tools like, um, you know, ordering your groceries online and picking them up on the way home. So there's a, a number of things that you can, you know, coach and counsel people on the here, why, why don't you try through these things and see how they work for yeah. you? Um, you know, to to help impact that, mm -hmm. that flexibility that we're trying to develop in, in the world. Yeah, what's well, going to make their life easier, right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'd like well, to drop on my laundry and have somebody take <laughs> get that done. <laughs> Something I read about um, when I was kind of researching for this topic today was holistic well-being initiatives. So things that kind of encompass <laughs> physical, mental, and emotional health. So yeah. what are some initiatives employers can implement around here? Well, and that's, you know, again, if you take a step back to look at all of your wellness programs, what are you offering today? And what can you bring in? There are a number of programs that you can develop that are a little more integrated. So you can say, uh, here, I want to create a program about, um, you know, um, balancing workflow. And so things where you coach them and say, hey, you know, when you get into work, take five minutes at the beginning of work to just kind of arrive and be at your desk. Don't check your email, you know, save your email review for maybe 20 minutes into the job, um, you know, or implementing, uh, there's a, a, a technique called the Pomodoro technique where you divide up your, your time into 25 minute increments and you take just a slight break between them. So you just only focus on one thing for 25 minutes to break, next thing to break. So if you're implementing, um, if you're doing project management, you can build that into it as well. So, um, and I think just really being open-minded as an employer as to what options might be out there. And again, this is where the survey tool can come in handy is to help isolate, you know, what are things that employees interested in? And really, I think what inhibits a number of employees from participating in, in their wellness initiatives at work sometimes the time you know if you're if you're hosting a one hour training course many employees won't attend because they're like i can't carve out an hour 
But if you break that down to 15-minute, 10-minute sessions, you'll see that your attendance rate increases. So again, you're really trying to find what's the sweet spot for um, what you're offering and how your participation is uh, in that program. And then doing follow-up surveys, you know, did they find that useful? You know, now that they learned about this topic, what other topics would they want to consider as well? Yeah. So, yeah, it's it, but it's again taking that holistic, broad approach. It's not just one solution, but there are many aspects to it, and you know, finding the balance for your organization and your employees. Mm -hmm. And I would just emphasize what you said on um, surveys and employee surveys and. MRA can help you with that. We have employee surveys. We can help you with custom surveys. So I will make sure to add the link in the show notes. So if you do want to check that out, um, absolutely go for that. But um, Laura, I feel like a lot of managers or leaders may be asking the question right now, how do you know this is having an impact on your employees and your organization? Yeah, actually using metrics, um, we can implement a lot of metrics within your own organization to measure, you know, first I would suggest doing a baseline so you can see, you know, what does our attendance look like? Uh, you know, how often are we missing deadlines or um, other aspects within um, the organization, absenteeism, you know, utilization of PTO, all those things can give you a, an overall view of where do we, where do we sit today? Even surveying employees, again, how do you utilize these benefits? Getting a baseline on where the effectiveness of the program is today. And then as you move forward with these components, you're putting them out one by one by one. Uh, you can measure, again, through the survey information, you know, how did that work? Is this improving things long-term? And then maybe annually, you look at absenteeism rates and see how, how that's been affected, or turnover statistics is another one. Um, so as you see, absenteeism rates starting to decline, um, you know, people uh, lower turnover for the organization, and all of these are indicators of some components of success to the wellness. But I think, again, I, I keep harping on it, that surveys are a really good way to pinpoint, you know, has this been affected? Or you can use exit interviews for people who do who do leave the organization and find out were they using the the wellness benefits? Is there something you know that could have helped them prior to their making the decision to leave? And then again, employee feedback about their managers, um, because again we talked about it, this all starts with leadership um, and has a trickle down effect and identifying leaders that maybe need some additional support as well. And, in their managerial style or their behaviors that they exhibit. So these are all ways that you can say, yes, we've evaluated, we have some statistics to look at, and how are we performing over time? Yeah, sounds like there's a lot of indicators and tools out there to help you kind of measure that impact. Absolutely, yeah. And even some of those uh, mobile applications that people um, are downloading and using within the organization, well, store information that can then be reported back to the company about utilization uh, and maybe help identify some other areas that people might want to expand and build that program. Yeah, absolutely. Well, or as we kind of close out the episode today, 
Is there one thing that you want our listeners to really take away from today's episode on mindful workplaces? I know it's it's a lot, um, and there are a lot of stigmas associated with you know meditation or um, you know doing yoga at work or a lot of things like that. But you know, recognizing that there isn't a one that's all sort of solution. Um, that it's got to be customized to your workplace. Um, you know, and really being um, connected with your employees to be able to get that feedback about what is going to help them. Really, um, mindfulness is a journey that's about me as an individual first, and then company as a company, how we are going to provide resources and tools for each individual in the organization. So those, you know, keeping that in your mind, it will help you to develop these programs, um, again, mindfully, um, and to help the employees, you know, get the things that they need to help reduce their stress, their anxiety, you know, really focus back on work. For sure. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being our guest on today's topic and sharing all of your expertise, because I know you have so much in this area. Um, <laughs> I think everyone can really walk away with a lot of great new ideas and action steps that they can take to create a mindful workplace if they haven't already. Um, but to our listeners listening and watching, if you liked our chat and our topic today, I would encourage you to share this episode out and consider joining MRA if you aren't a member already. Like I said, we have all the resources you need in the show notes below, and we have resources on this topic too, so make sure to look at the show notes. Um, and thanks for tuning in. Laura, thanks for joining us today, and we will see you next week. And that wraps up our content for this episode. Be sure to reference the show notes where you can sign up to connect for more podcast updates. Check out other MRA episodes on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, make sure to follow MRA's 30-Minute Thrive so you don't miss out. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next Wednesday to carry on the HR conversation.